Good evening, everybody. Welcome into the Nittany Lions Sports Report. It's live here on Bob Long Sports. My name's Bob Long. Alongside me, as always, Tyler Gellhouse. And boy, breaking down an interesting week of Nittany Lion football and previewing the last of what could be this rivalry with Pittsburgh for a long, long time should be a great show. So happy you're here with us for it. We're also going to have, as we do every week, our guest picker at the last portion of the show, Dan Green, a professional chef here in Philadelphia, going to tell us about his exploits and then make his best picks for the college football slate that is this weekend. Tyler Kern, still first at 5-1, and one, Chris Perangeli 3-3. Three and three. So now Dan Green chasing Tyler Kern, the color commentator for LaSalle College High School football and trying to make his mark, put himself as the leader in the clubhouse going forward. But before we get to that, Tyler, a lot to get to, a slow first half, an explosive second half, and a lot to look forward to this weekend as Penn State hosts Pitt at noon. Where would you like to start? Well, before we get to Pitt, I would like to talk about, um, you know, the full game against uh, Buffalo because it was really two separate games. It was the first half, which was borderline disastrous, um, and then the second half where they really turned it on, um, you know, Penn State – it doesn't feel like they did, but for those um, gamblers out there and people that like to follow the, the spread that they did end up covering, it didn't look like it was going to be a cover at all, down 10-7. Um, I don't think it was ever a doubt that they were going to win the game, but they, they totally pulled away. Um, but it was a tale of two halves, really, and uh, Penn State made some adjustments. Their depth wore out uh, Buffalo. Um, but at the end of the day, there's still a lot that needs to be um, needs to be worked on with this group. Uh Particularly, I'm very worried right now about the running back group. I didn't think I would be going into the season, although uh, they did lose Miles Sanders last year to the draft. But right now you're looking at uh, Ricky Slade, who was supposed to be the starter, even though we knew they were going to be playing all four backs. He has 17 total yards on the year right now rushing. Uh, I think Journey Browns has done some nice things when given the chance, um, as well as Noah Kane and Devin Ford, the two freshmen. But right now they've really struggled to get any running game going uh, against Buffalo. The biggest run was a Sean Clifford run. Uh, down the stop, down the sidelines uh, for 50-some yards. And um, you know what? He did surprise me with that. I didn't know he could run like that, so that was a good sign. But a um, little worried about the running game and, um, and and maybe a little bit of the run run blocking on the O-line. But, um, you know, they need to figure out who their backs are going to be. They're playing all four, but someone's got to step up in that clubhouse soon. Yeah, let's start with some of the positives here. I think Pat Fryermuth is certainly a positive, a guy that we didn't know after the Idaho game if he would continue to be in that starting role just driven by the injury. Would he play against Buffalo? We weren't sure. He played, and he was quite effective. Downside, Sean Clifford kind of had to lean on Pat Fryermuth, and not something that we necessarily expected, but good to see that he's still that red zone threat, that he's still that pass-catching option, and that he can – Take care of that yak, the yards after the catch, and be that really top pass-catching option, possession-type receiver for this team. Uh, certainly, I think we saw a great day from Jahan Dotson, who caught a touchdown pass. Still not sure whether K.J. Two Hamler. Of two of them. Yeah, you're right. I'm thinking of the one where he and Hamler were kind of beelining for yeah, one another. Who, who do you think that ball, was that intended for Hamler? Yeah, it's a okay, great question. Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I actually don't think it yeah, was intended it for was, Hamler. They were kind of just in the same – like, I don't know if the route was supposed to be that – they both run to the same spot. Usually, you wouldn't do that. Um, That's kind of my issue. Two defenders to the ball, uh, but I think the throw was for Dotson for sure, and Hamler may or may not have peeled okay. off his route and made an independent decision 
based upon the the cornerback and how he sure. was covering him and, and that man-to-man look that they were given. Mm-hmm. And that just ended up that they were kind of coalescing right. near the end zone. Obviously something to pick up there, something to uh, work on as the week goes on, but something you'll take. Right. But, yeah, I think – I mean, those are two big takeaways for me. Yes, the rushing game, not very good. And four running backs, tough to get into a rhythm – if you're trying to play all four guys and they're all not firing on the same cylinders. Um, with that said, not something I'm going to take a ton away from. I'm not necessarily concerned about that going forward. Uh, I do want to see a development further of the offensive line from a run block perspective. And we'll talk about that when we get to pit as well. But Tyler, I want to get your thoughts on running backs. It's something that you wanted to talk about coming into this week. Yeah. I mean, at the beginning of the year, we knew that they were going to be playing for these four guys. Um, and, you know, I, I thought that Ricky Slade would be the one to eventually, with his talent and experience, to kind of overtake the, you know, be like the bell cow, if you will. Um, well, once he put that ball on the turf on Saturday, he was done for the night. Um, it's that kind of talented group that if you put the ball on the turf, that's a good way to not be on the turf playing. Um, I'm interested to see how they bounce back, the running backs as a group. But... It was almost like Penn State didn't even really try to establish the run that much against Buffalo. Um, They obviously liked what they saw with Clifford throwing the ball around the yard. Um, Had a really good game back there passing. Um, And and it was almost like a lot of times they were were almost pressured in a way that, okay, we're down 10-7, we got to start scoring points. And, and, I mean, they did that in the second half, but they still never really got the running game going. Um, and I'd just like to see it get started sooner rather than later. I mean, you have Pitt this week, and then you have a bye, and then you have a Friday night game at Maryland who's looking better than anybody would have thought. And, and you're right in the swing of things with the Big Ten. Everybody knows to be a competitor, a contender in the Big Ten, especially come November when it gets chilly, you have to be able to run the ball. I don't think it's going to be a problem, but I thought it would be a little bit better. Sure, I agree with that. And I know we talked, Tyler, even at the beginning of the year, and I've kind of beat it to a pulp, Ricky Slade. His issue as a freshman was putting the ball on the ground, fumbling the football, and I was wondering what that was going to look like this year. Mm-hmm. But I equated it to Miles Sanders and Ex- the fact that good, in freshman yep. year, top-touted running back, he put the ball on the turf a few times, a few too many times, didn't earn the trust in his freshman and sophomore year, but junior, senior year, he was the guy behind Barkley. His junior year, he was the guy – or. Um, Redshirt sophomore year was the guy his junior year, redshirt junior year, and left for the NFL, obviously. And so the thought is that Ricky Slade is going to take that same path, and it's way too early these, to say that he has some systemic right. issue. I mean, these guys but, are very young. I mean, he's only a sophomore. Yep. And he's got the world of – I mean, he's got all the talent in the world. I mean, he was a five-star coming out of high school. Um, you know, sometimes it just takes a little while, and it's, it's still very early in the season, but – I still expect big things out of him as well as oh, all the sure. other running backs. Um, it's not like he's not going to get the carries. I mean, he's probably still going to be the starter. Um, but something to keep an eye on moving forward for sure. So when we think about that first half, Tyler, because I think that's what the audience wants to hear about. They don't need to hear about 38-3 to in the second half. Right. And the fact that Penn State run and ran away with it. That was the idea, and that was the expectation. 10-7 Buffalo after one half of play. A total and complete domination of the time of possession and the yardage from Buffalo and the play count and the rushing game and the right, lines of scrimmage. Right. Yeah, the line of scrimmage, I was going to say, was um, very obvious as well as converting on third downs and keeping the drives alive. I mean, you talked about the time of possession. 
Well, a lot of that is because the Penn State defense couldn't get off the field. Right. Buffalo was getting in the third and shorts. Um, you know, and that, that redshirt freshman quarterback played a heck of a game. He did. He's, he's, Matt Myers, he's, very, he's very good. good I think that's a guy that you're going to be hearing about for years to come. A couple of years, you're going to start hearing his name as a possible NFL quarterback in a draft from a mid-major. Well, maybe um, we underrated this. I mean, not maybe. Well, we underrated this Buffalo team They were a, a 10-win team last year. But their quarterback they, transfer lost, um, went to the draft, and their top got receiver cut by the Bills, I think, in like the last cuts. Sorry, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, they had a couple guys transfer. Um, I think bigger schools for like their last year, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. That's so they exactly had, right. They had key departures, but um, yeah, it's it's one of the better programs in the MAC, and uh, you know, we probably underrated them a little bit. I would think that you know Penn State's not going to admit it, but they underrated them a little bit. Sure, uh, they came to play. I mean, give them credit. Um, you got to give credit where credit's due. But uh, yeah, a little little worried about what I saw in the trenches both ways. Um, the defense just couldn't seem to get off the field. Um, they they made a couple plays here and there. Cam Brown forced fumble recovery. John Reed the pick six. So they made plays, but they really struggled for a while getting off the field, which is what really had Buffalo controlling that game in the first half. Yeah, I agree. To the point where you saw a lot of movement in the linebacking core, a position of strength, yes, a position of depth. So some of that depth was intended, but some of that depth, I think, was trying to get fresh legs in the field where guys right. were getting beat. You know, a guy that sticks out to me, Ellis Brooks. We talk about him a lot. You know I like Ellis Brooks. He was out there making plays. He was more aggressive than I've seen him in the past out there making plays on the flat, taking care of business. But also, with that aggressiveness, I think he found himself out of position a few times, which allowed Penn State's defense to get burned. So, you know, you look at that. Jan Johnson had a good game. He led the team in tackles, but the vast majority of those were half tackles, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody else was in there making a tackle as mm -hmm. well. Uh, I don't think that was his best game. Micah Parsons does what Micah Parsons does, but he even disappeared at times throughout that game. And the defensive line wasn't quite as dominant as we thought they might be. The real strength of this team is the thing we had the most questions about, and that was the defensive secondary. Now, I would say the corners shined more than the safeties. Of mm -hmm. course, John Reed, a momentum-shifting interception touchdown return. Tariq Castro-Fields had one of his better games as a Penn State Nittany Lion. Those two lined up there. Uh, I think are a dynamite one too. Keaton Ellis got burned early in the game on on a a bad decision ball as, watching. As did Donovan Johnson. But yep. to Donovan Donovan Johnson's credit, I mean he was right there with him, threw his arm in as the guy was receiver yes. was going to catch it. Yes, I mean that that none number one their receiver made some plays. I mean, yes, he did, and and it was good defense by Johnson. He just had him by half a step. But um, yeah, I mean the the top two corners though, Castro Fields and Reed. I mean. They're clearly the one, too. But after that, there is a little bit of a drop-off. Yep. So defense, I think, an issue there in the first half, not being able to get off the field on third down. I really have nothing bad to say about Sean Clifford. You know, you look at the statistics, and obviously a lot of it driven by the second half, but his completion percentage was pretty good over the course of the whole game. Has not yet turned the ball over via interception. and or, I thought Or fumble, right? Or fumble. Yeah. That's right. And generally speaking, had a very good football game. I just think the the wrapping didn't really come off on the in the first half. Uh, he didn't have a ton of opportunities out there. They were trying to establish the run, and that wasn't very successful. And Buffalo just dominated that time of possession to the point where we couldn't even see that Penn State offense come out of its shell. Right. And so I really have very little to say about Sean Clifford other than full speed ahead. I want to see him 
continue to open up the playbook and have the playbook open for him by the offensive coordinator, Ricky Ronnie, and by the offensive staff in general. Uh, I think we're going to learn more and more about him over the next two weekends mm -hmm. before they get into that brunt yeah. of the schedule. Now, let me ask you on, on topic of Sean Clifford. Um, is this about what you expected from him? Did you expect more? Did you expect less? I mean, ha what you've seen from Sean Clifford in the first two weeks, I mean, your expectations describe like, you know, how they've met your expectations or haven't met your expectations? This is about what I expected, mm -hmm. I would say, for Sean Clifford. Yeah, I think he is a guy who I, I didn't expect the offensive playbook to be completely open to him at this point in the year. And that's what we've seen. He, he's a guy who will, will dump it underneath, but they have allowed him to take a couple shots, especially later in the games. And I think he's done a nice job of managing the football game. That's what I expected for non-conference play. However, Tyler, I think over the course of this season, as we get into weeks three, four, and five, before they go out to Iowa on the 12th of October, yes, they're going to expect a lot from him, and I think they're going to have to open up that playbook at that point. So the jury for me is out. I think certainly he's the guy for this year and hopefully next year. But in terms of can he make this a 10 or 11 win football team, my vote is still out on that, but I think he has the tools, the fundamentals, the bones in place to be a great quarterback at the Big Ten level, especially if he considers to, uh, continues to protect that football. I would agree with you, Bob, and I think one thing that he does have that I don't know if you mentioned, he's got it up here in his head. It's, it's, it really seems like makes great decisions. Um, you know, he, <laughs> he throws a very good deep ball. We've seen it a couple times last year um, in you know mop-up duty or in the Citrus Bowl against Kentucky, even though the ball was dropped. But he throws a nice – deep ball I mean it is almost always on the money um and and I think that's something that we haven't we've kind of got away from the last couple years um I don't know for what reason I don't know if McSurley doesn't do it as well obviously McSurley does a lot of things very well he's in the NFL now but um it, it really I think his deep ball is going to open up the playbook a lot especially for underneath you know Fryermuth, in my opinion could be the the best tight end in all of college football I mean he is an absolute stud only a sophomore, so we have him for one more year because after that, he's going to the pros. But um, it, it should, you know, the his arm strength and his downfield passing should open up the underneath, and, and hopefully they can get this running game going. It'll make Sean Clifford even better. He's taking care of the ball. He's hitting the open guy, and he's not making any bad decisions. I mean, some people might call him a game manager, but like you said, he's gonna they're going to have to open up the playbook, and they're going to have to win in – you know, win and lose with, with him at quarterback. So You're absolutely right about that. And who's he going to be throwing to? We saw a tightening of the wide receiver core this weekend. Yeah, a little, little surprised by that. No Weston Carr, no Cam Sullivan-Brown. Very little Mac Hippenhammer. I don't exactly think any right. Mac Hippenhammer. Didn't really, get any snaps. It was just the, um, yeah, the re yeah, and the receptions were only four. It was Dotson for four, Frymuth for eight, Hamler for three, and Shorter for yep. one. They didn't even target the running backs in the passing game. And that's another thing with the running backs. I don't know. Obviously, it's probably game by game situations, but you got to get these guys a ball in the passing game sure. too. I mean, that's something that Penn State has kind of um, gotten away from, at least uh, recently since Barkley left, which was only two years ago. But you got to get these guys, these running backs, like screen pass. You know, you got to get them involved in the passing game. I mean, they're they're weapons. You well, the use thought them. the thought was that Ricky Slade could be that right, banner right, for right, right. that. 
And obviously, if he's not going to get time because there's no trust. And again, right. that's that's overstated at this point. It's week two, and Franklin's trying to get four running we, backs And we on haven't the field. seen everything yet, obviously. I mean, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, they're, there's they're no gonna, way. No. So um, we'll see, but it's something to really pay attention to because I know a lot of people are harping on you got to get the running backs more touches in, in the pass game. And, um, you know, the screen, people love the screen. We don't really see it much anymore at Penn right. State, but. It's probably there. It's just a matter of time, I guess. It is. It's a matter of time, but I am interested on the wide receiver core to see. It, is it too. just the, the X, Z, and slot guys that we're talking about? Is it just Hamler, Shorter, and Dotson? Uh, and the, I'm sure the answer is no. I am sure they're going to get Daniel George out there for more touches. I think he's probably that next guy on the field. Right. Because he, we forgot to mention him. He did, he did get in, Yeah. but he did not get any touches, but right. he was in. Yep, but I think he's a little bit different than than your KJ Hamlers, and so right. you know, your Matt Kippenhammer is, uh, in some ways, your poor man's KJ w- without the speed or the route running ability mm-hmm. or the playmaking ability generally. But one of those smaller guys that possession type receivers, Daniel George, brings a little bit something different to the table. Dotson's an excellent route runner and shorter. Obviously, has the physical tools to be an elite wide receiver. Just a matter of time with him, hopefully. Right, and so. Those three receivers all check the box, and mm-hmm. George brings a little bit something different as well. You know, I don't know if Weston Carr is an odd man out here. He wasn't right. on the initial depth chart, got a few catches against Idaho. I think I had higher expectations for him and was surprised when he wasn't on the initial depth chart and then was surprised when he got a couple catches against Idaho and then was surprised when he didn't get into the game <laughs> against Buffalo at all. So we'll see what happens. Get we'll s- You'll be surprised no matter what, I guess. <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> Um, but I do think that those three wide receivers are fantastic, obviously, along with Fryermuth. Last item to hit in terms of the rundown here from Buffalo, offensive line. Mike Miranda, to me, through two games, looks like a better offensive tackle than C.J. Thorpe. Guard, you mean? Or right? guard. Yeah. Sorry, offensive That's, lineman. That seems to guard. be the argument that I'm coming across a lot on um, online. and it, it seems like that they <sighs> – I shouldn't say the coach. I'm not going to speak for the coaches, but a lot of like the fans out there believe the same exact thing you just said that they think Miranda is a better option than C.J. Thorpe. Uh, you know what I do like about Thorpe is the same thing that the coaches like about him. From what I've heard, is you know the the uh, the mindset. You know, kind of like he will run you into the ground until the whistle, and then even after the whistle, he'll still mm-hmm. be blocking you type of thing. Yeah. Like kind of like that. You know. Th- not a dirty lineman, but something that Penn State really hasn't seen in recent years with somebody that just wants to go out there and run people over every right. play. Um, so they're both redshirt sophomores. Um, you know, it's interesting because you talk about battling the right guard with Thorpe and, and Miranda. Well, Steven Gonzalez, a fifth-year senior, is on the left side, and right. he's still listed as an oar with Miranda. So I, this, this staff isn't afraid to say, hey, look, we're going with – the two sophomores. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, but they, they're going to put their best line out there. So it doesn't sure. necessarily matter that you're a redshirt senior and you came back instead of going to the NFL. Something to watch out for. But if he is playing um, that good of football, you gotta, you gotta play him more. And I think for the folks that are interested in this discussion, and I think it is very intriguing. It goes beyond the scope of this discussion on this week's show. Check out the blitz from last week as we go through the offensive line, both at the tackle and at the guard position, breaking down some of those matchups, where the strengths of each of those guys are, and why each of them may get playing time. I'll say this just now. If Penn State Tyler does get back to the screen game more effectively than they have been, 
I think C.J. Thorpe being a guy that can pull or, or throwing a guy off tackle like that. Uh, Thorpe is a guy that can get downfield and block a little bit better and can pull if you're running power off tackle. Uh, perhaps that's an opportunity for Thorpe yeah, to get more time. I, and I think you're going to continue, and James Franklin said at the beginning of the year, he said you're going to see both Thorpe and Miranda at right guard alternating for a while early on in the season. I know a lot of times with an offensive line, it's not like a defensive line. Like You really want your five and you want to go. I mean, because continuity, um, all that stuff. Whereas a defensive line, you're going to rotate, keep them fresh. Um, continuity is important, but not like it is on the offensive line. So it could be the kind of thing that you continue to see both play. Um, some might have an advantage against a certain style of defense or what their game plan is that day on offense. I mean, I think you're going to see them both play for the majority of majority of the season to be honest with you until one or the other um you know ultimately proves it that they are the best man for the job so tyler anything more on penn state generally from a unit perspective or anything related to buffalo before we go to pet uh i think i'm i think i'm ready to put that behind us at a scary first half and i'm <laughs> i'm ready to dive into the uh the pit panthers here all right, my big matchup for the week, and we're going to get to the offensive side that Pitt can bring on our Blitz segment. But my big thing is the rushing game and the offensive line against the Pitt defensive line on Saturday at noon. Jalen Twyman, three sacks last week against the University of Ohio or Ohio University, OU, and I think that defensive line, they're missing two starters. Two starters that from, from preseason that they expected to be on the field, not playing due to injury. Uh, Twyman, really that guy. Opportunity, though, for Penn State, I think, to, one, show that they're going to be able to protect Sean Clifford, and two, be able to establish a rushing attack against a more established defensive line. I think you're going to see a little bit less diversity from the running back pool. Maybe it's two guys getting more of the carries. And maybe it's Devin Ford or maybe it's Noah Kane or whoever it might be. Maybe even Journey Brown as the guy that gets kind of pitted as the out, odd man out at this point. Uh, still very early for that, but I think Penn State's rushing attack, the key for me and how that offensive line is going to be able to protect Sean Clifford because I do think the defensive secondary is vulnerable for Pitt. Yeah, I, I agree that I think, you know, Penn State is really going to make a point to establish a run in this game. Um, they haven't really been able to consistently do that in the first two games. Like we said earlier, they, they know what they're getting with Clifford right now. You need to start building up the offensive line's um, confidence, the running back's confidence. Also, when you ha when you start the game running, it gets your linemen juiced up. You know, they love going out there and, and, and blocking, running down blocking people instead of always dropping back and pass blocking. And, and that's why they say, like, a lot of times you start running, it open, obviously it opens up the pass, it should, but when you start the run, it gets your linemen really into it. Um, you know, it's harder to start passing when they're dropping back, pass blocking, and then, and then run blocking later. So I think it's important that they start the run early and often, and I think that's going to open up a lot, especially play action. I mean, Sean Clifford could be deadly in the play action. Um the, the cornerbacks, the safeties especially, start to creep up, and then you go over the top. I mean, there's so many different options, but establishing the run is my absolute number one key this week. Yep, I think so as well. And on the pit side, Kenny Pickett back again. Uh, struggled last year in a rainy Heinz Field 
and he is playing better. He had a tough game against the University of Virginia, really lit it up against OU, and uh, throwing for over 320 yards, only 11 incompletions on 37 attempts, 26 for 37. Uh, a couple long passes added to those yards. I think Pickett's ready for this game more so than he was last year. And obviously Mar Pat Narduzzi, a guy that is keeping his players away from the media, he builds this game up for his players oh, yeah. more so than that of Penn State. Of course, talk about the rivalry and the fact that the game isn't being played. Pat Narduzzi, it's not up to me. I mean, this is Pitt's, and we say it every year, this is one of their biggest games of the season and something that they take a lot of pride in. So – Saturday at noon, well, Penn State has to be ready. Yeah, you have They're to be a better ready. football team, and I think they should win by double digits, but you just don't know. Well, the noon game, I would say, is in Pitt's favor. Um, you know, Penn State, 3.30 in night games, they tend to play better. A lot of that is – well, and the fans are more into it because they have more time to tailgate as well. Um, but, you know, the noon game, I think, would make it maybe a little bit of a closer game. And also, you have to remember, the last couple of years, Pitt has beaten – top teams um consistently i mean not consistently but consistently once a year right uh obviously the in 2016 they beat penn state they weren't a top team at the time but they did beat penn state um i believe did they beat clemson that year on the road or was that the following year they i think they beat clemson the same year they beat penn state yeah it may have been um so and then let two years ago i believe they beat miami at home when they yep. were ranked two getting ready to maybe have a chance at the playoff there. So under Pat Narduzzi, they have, uh, you know, been pretty much a 500 football team for the most part, but one of those wins almost always comes from a top ranked team. Yeah. So it's something that, you know, you can't over, you can't overlook them. And that's almost why like last week was a good thing it, it, at the end of the day, because it was Penn State definitely was overlooking Buffalo in the first half, almost like a lesson learned not to let it happen again, because, Let's face it, the competition's only getting better from here on out. Right. And the rushing game, three-headed monster led by A.J. Davis, had 90 yards in last week's game. Uh, I think that this is important for Penn State as well because we thought that the defensive line, that the front seven was really the strength for this team, and I still think it is. But Buffalo had more success in the running game and the short passing game than I think we expected. So how are they going to do against – an offensive line led by center Jimmy Morrissey of LaSalle College High School fame, former walk-on, now captain. We should have got him for the guest picker. We should though. have. <laughs> Next time. Yeah. Next time. Hey, what do you think, Jimmy? Is Penn State going to win by 17.5, or you I, think you guys will cover? Uh, he probably thinks he'll do more than cover. Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I would hope so, at least. Um, hey, one thing I, I do want to talk about, though, um, while we're talking about Penn State's defense against the run, especially the line, uh, I, I thought that Shane Simmons played very well against the run, number 34, the other day. He is a backup. Shaka Tony's listed as a starter. Yep. Shaka Tony's more of the pass rushing D end. He was getting s stuck in a lot on the runs. I don't know if it's because of his size, his technique. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an expert at that, but I do know that Shane Simmons is playing the run a lot better. I expect to see a lot more Shane Simmons, a healthy Shane Simmons now, finally. Moving forward, he is a good player. He was a former five star out of high school. Um, so I think that's something to keep an eye on, especially against the run. Um, and then, you know, Tony's more of your uh, your third down uh, pass rusher, but something to watch for, I think, this week. Can I tell you something? Let's hear it. That's a good take. Yeah. That is a good take. Right. I, I, I think that is going to happen. Um, 
that's something I've thought about and we even talked about going into the year is, is Shaka Tony, yes, he's put on more weight. Is he well, that every down guy Well, that's yet? the thing. And then if he's doing every down, he's going to get burnt out. And his best attribute, the pass rushing, isn't going to be there. I mean, think back to two years ago when Penn State played at Ohio State. We were ranked two. Yep. Okay. Um, Penn State was up 28-10. to 10. That was a game Saquon Barkley took back the opening kick. Ryan Buckholtz and Sharif yeah. Miller were the starting defensive ends. I believe Shane Simmons was already hurt. Shaka Tony had to go in for the rest of the game in the first quarter when Buckholtz got hurt. Ended up being career-ending injury. Yeah. Um, and and Tony just he that's part of the reason to be honest with you, Penn State just ran out of steam, especially at end. He ran out of steam because he wasn't used to playing those minutes. He wasn't able to get the pass rush because that's not his forte. So I think that's. Another thing, and it's no shot at him because he's an unbelievable pass rusher, but I want to see them keep him fresh for those instances and play Simmons to his strength as well, and I think you'll see an improvement there. You're exactly right about every single word you said, especially about that Ohio State game. That's exactly what happened in that game. They just didn't have the depth on the defensive line. I'll say that they have now, right? If it happened now and Shaka Tony were to have to go out, or let's just even put Shane Simmons. Shane Simmons – were to come out of the game after he eclipses Shaka Tony. Now Tony comes into the game. Okay, Jason Owe is backing him up, mm -hmm. right? And, and there are other. There's just there's more depth right. at that position there now than there yeah. ever was before. Yep. You know, Gross Matos can slide inside. There's more guys at the D tackle position that could fill in and something like mm -hmm. that. So it's just a different situation now than it was back then. And you defined it brilliantly in terms of what happened in that game two years ago. So. Yeah, that's a general discussion on Pitt and what we expect to see next week. Now, I'm going to tell you the key for Penn State. We're talking about stopping the run for Pitt. I'm going to tell you about one key connection offensively that Penn State has to worry about, and it's going to look very similar to a guy that Penn State fans know very well. Stay with us, folks, and we'll be right back. Ford is Mayfair's neighborhood Ford store. Nobody knows your neighborhood like Dunphy Ford. Nearly 40 years. Right here on Frankfurt Avenue. Generation after generation, our neighbors continue to be our customers. We have access to the cars and trucks you want with financing you need. Dunphy Ford is Northeast Philly's first choice for America's number one brand. 7700 Frankfurt Avenue in Mayfair. Online at www.dumpyford.com. Come experience the Dunphy difference. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, everybody, inside the Nittany Lions Sports Report. This is the Blitz segment, and this is our whiteboard, where we take a look at one of the key factors for Penn State, either in the prior week or the upcoming week. And this week, we decided to take a look at the rival Pitt Panthers and Kenny Pickett at quarterback, a guy who struggled last year at Heinz Field in a rain-soaked environment, and a guy that didn't have a, guy, a lot of guys to throw to. Uh, they certainly had the guys to hand it off to, but... The air attack was really a struggle, whether not included. But there's a gentleman named Maurice French. And yes, that's spelled French. F-F-R-E-N-C-H. Bonjour, as it were. And Maurice French is one of those little guys that's going to find pockets in the middle of that defense and can really, really make big plays, a la a guy like A.J. Hamler a little bit. So let's break down one of the big plays in last week's game. They're down here at the 26-yard line. Pickett 
Drops back, and here comes French in the middle of the defense. Ohio's playing some zone looks, so safety hangs back as the cornerback, and really I shouldn't have Fuh French written so large here. We're going to try this again. He's going to sit down in this coverage as the cornerback sits in his zone. He's going to catch this ball here. Pickett ends up stepping up into the pocket as the rush collapses around him, throws a good ball in the, in the act of running towards the line of scrimmage. He catches turns, and French is off to the races and just beats two guys down the field. Now, I think that's a concern for Penn State for a couple of reasons because the question for me is, one, what is this defensive line going to be able to do? Now, I mentioned Jimmy Morrissey, and of course, he's my boy, former LaSalle College High School offensive and defensive lineman. He's the center, and he's the, one of the captains of the team. But Pitt's offensive line is a lot more stout than what we would have seen from Idaho or from Buffalo. So, is it Chaka Tony? Is it Shane Simmons? Itro Gross Matos, I think that speaks for itself. A combination of P.J. Mustfer, Antonio Shelton, trying to get pressure up the middle, offset by... A rushing game from Pitt, three-headed monster led by A.J. Davis, trying to punch the ball through the middle and keep these guys on their toes. So, are they going to be able to get this pressure on Kenny Pickett? Pickett's shown that he's going to be a guy that's able to move in the pocket and throw on the run. And Maurice French can bury himself in the middle of this defense. I think a very strong, capable little guy. And I think it's going to be John Reed on him. That's not necessarily confirmed, obviously. But John Reed, a guy who's played excellent football the first two games, that's a key matchup for this weekend. Maurice French, John Reed, and will Penn State stay with the mostly man look that they've ran over the first two weeks, or will it be his own look, and how will that affect things? But that's my big concern for Penn State, is a guy like Maurice French, an ability to take the top off, in addition to the fact that Penn State has struggled getting off the field in the first two games. So if we're talking about a first half, like we saw against Buffalo, where Penn State's having trouble as an offense staying on the field, where the time of possession is being dominated by the other team, and you have an over-the-top threat that surpasses anything that Buffalo could throw at you, how is Penn State going to deal with that, and could they find themselves in a bigger hole than they did against Buffalo? Now, point blank, I don't think that's going to happen. I think John Reed is a great matchup for a, a, a guy like this. And Maurice French, while fantastic, 10 catches over 130 yards last week, is going to have struggles that he didn't see last week against Ohio. That's just the nature of these early season games. It's put up or shut up on time. Maurice French, absolutely fantastic wide receiver. Kenny Pickett playing better football, struggled in week one, played great in week two. But this, the best defensive secondary that he's faced thus far. That's a key for me in this game. That's our Blitz segment, and we'll take a break, come back on the other side. You're watching the Nittany Lions Sports Report. This is the Blitz segment. And up next, we have our guest picker, Dan Green of Chefs Galore. He is of A Kitchen in Rittenhouse Square, a tremendous restaurant in Center City. He's going to tell his story and make his picks, try to put himself atop the leaderboard where Tyler Kern currently sits alone at 5-1. and one. Six picks coming your way up next here on the Nittany Lions Sports Report. Welcome back, everybody, inside the Nittany Lions Sports Report. Bob Long, Tyler Gilhouse, and our man of the hour, the chef, the man himself, 
And this is his work outfit. It's Dan Green. Dan, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, it's good to be here, guys. I'm good. doing very well. Well, appreciate How are you, you, Bob. I am great. Better yes. now. Well, great. Where's our uh, Where's our food, Chef? Yeah, it's in the kitchen. Some, <laughs> I got some microwave popcorn. Oh, there we go. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, pop secret. Tell me about how you do that. Oh. Differently than any of us would, of course. You want to, you want me to explain how to make popcorn? That's right. <laughs> well, first I put the bag in, and then I uh, press the popcorn button, and then let it rip. That wow. must be it. Yeah. Instead of doing like three minutes or whatever, two minutes. Yeah, just press I, the button. I usually go two seventeen. That's the magic number. <laughs> two seventeen. Yeah. Anyway. So tell us about something besides popcorn. Obviously, a yeah. big part of the reason we do this is to hear the stories of folks in the community that do something a little different, something cool. I would say being a chef at a big-time Philadelphia restaurant certainly counts as that. So tell us your story, how you got to where you are, and a little bit about A Kitchen so that uh, we can send all our, our folks and fans to, to A Kitchen to try all the good stuff you guys have to offer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, at least uh, to get started, I guess with with my story, um, took a kind of interesting path, I would say. Uh, I, after I graduated from Penn State, I was pretty much involved in um, social work for, I think, four or five years, um, doing a number of different things. Uh, the homeless community, um, was an outreach worker for about a year and a half, um, where I would just go out into the community and engage. Um, people that needed assistance um and then i got more into uh working heavily w with homeless shelters um so sort of getting people from the outreach workers that were engaging with the homeless individuals in the community and then um kind of just making them feel comfortable in the shelters that i would would help run um and i did that more in in pittsburgh um, but then came a time where I sort of, uh, switched gears and things were pretty stressful, I guess, at the time. Um, and sort of my way of coping with it was cooking and, uh, to my roommate's frustration in Pittsburgh, I would say, uh, <laughs> I would, I would come home from work and just nonstop cook like midnight to 2am when I would be done work because I, I would have some weird hours and uh yeah i i started getting into that and the more i cooked the more i was like yeah i i don't want to do this social work anymore <laughs> <laughs> um so i started uh getting into it looking um researching different avenues of how i could get involved um i started actually just randomly like throwing together meals for the guys and families at the homeless shelters. Um, and that was sort of a way to, to practice. And of course, you know, they, they all loved it, but it was like, right. You know, maybe I could, maybe I should get actually more sort of, uh, like a legit, like an actual job in the industry instead of just doing it for fun. Um, so the first thing I did when I started applying the jobs was I called the French laundry, which is like, one of the best restaurants in the world, maybe like arguably. And, uh, so I just cold called him. I was just like, Oh, yes. Want anybody to help out? <laughs> and it's in Napa Valley. Um, and they were like, yeah, no, we don't. <laughs> Why don't you get some experience first and then, and then call us back. 
So, um, okay. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's not, Hey, you're saying there's a chance. Shoot yeah. or shoot. Right. Yeah, I mean, shoot. I had to shoot my shot. Exactly. I did that with like 10 other places right who there. told me <laughs> the exact same thing. Um, so I decided the best thing to do was to go back to Philly, sort of where I have a support system, uh, family, friends, um, and get a job here. So came back here, I started working at a kitchen and yeah, just been doing it ever since. So what's a kitchen? So a kitchen, uh, I describe it French bistro. I would say a, a American sort of French bistro. Um, fixing this thing am i talking into it i just when you're talking to us i want to make sure you're still when oh, okay. you face us I, I, I we all you. need the nice microphones like bob has yeah, right yeah, he's got to right? fork yeah. up some money here i wish <laughs> jeez um so yeah a kitchen um it's on 18th and walnut it's right in uh rittenhouse square um yeah it's a french american bistro sort of approachable food i think for uh the philadelphia area that you know sort of goes out around that area um so we have things on the menu that maybe are more like french in technicality and all that stuff um because our our head chef is is french trained um but a lot of the things we do you know you can you look at it and you're like okay it's a chicken dish and then sort of we take it from there with the with the extras um so yeah i don't know i think it's You've been there a few times, right? Bob? I have. I love yeah. it. It's a great yeah, spot. It's great. It's an open kitchen, so you can come in and sort heckle. of heckle. Yeah, you can heckle. You can see what's going on. You know, see your boy Dan Green doing his thing. You know. I mean, just to yeah. for folks that have never been there at any place like it, just imagine a bar when you're watching people mix drinks or pour beer or whatever it might be, and instead of that, it's you cooking. It's yeah. you cooking their meal. And I just think that's really cool. Yeah. It's like hibachi almost. That's what we I was talking, talking about, about before. Yep. Yeah. Except there's just a little, a little, uh, like, barricade. Rather right. Other than that. Yeah. We're, it's pretty much a. I'll have to check, have to check yeah. it out. It sounds like a fun in. place. Yeah. Hey, you should sure. go on a little date with Yeah, there we go. Not be long. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Yeah. We'll start figuring out what our next week's well, show is. Well, maybe we could do a show from a kitchen. Wow. That sounds amazing. <laughs> that's a missed opportunity. We should have done that. Well, it's not too late. Yeah. yeah, we carve out from the Bluebell Studios <laughs> and we go down to Rittenhouse Square. That sounds amazing. Uh, so what's next for you, man? So this is a really cool career change and something you've <clears throat> jumped headfirst into. And mm. I'm fortunate to know a little bit about your story since you got to A Kitchen. You've continued to work your way up there and yeah. learning all the different facets that go into things from from prep to to saute, if I'm saying it correctly, yeah. to the to the grill and everything in between. Mm. Uh, and here you are now. So I guess my question is sort of what's next and, and what would you define as your journey to, to get to this point? Yeah, I, uh, next, next is a, a puzzling question for me right now. I'm sort of trying to think about all the different options I have. Um, I'm on the grill right now, so I've sort of worked my way up from the bottom to the top. Um, I think in the next few months, He'll, uh, I'll probably be working wherever sort of they need me. Um, so whether that's, you know, working a brunch service or on the grill or saute or anything like that. And then, uh, I, I definitely want to like look into different options, sort of, um, maybe where our food comes from. We have a pretty good relationship with our farmers, um, in the area. I've done a few events out on the farms, um, 
So I might look into volunteering at a few farms right now, just on my off days. Um, so I might look into a job there, um, or I don't know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll take a chance and, and see what else is out there, um, elsewhere in the country. I don't know. Wow. I'm not, I'm not really sure. It's sort of, it's great. It's open. Cause once you get your foot in the door in this industry, I think you can kind of go anywhere. So I can call the French laundry back and be like, I got hey, that experience. I got my experience. What's <laughs> who, good? Who? Who says? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, he's coming from a French restaurant yeah. already, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he came on a show where we were talking about Maurice French, F.F. Wrench. Yeah, I love the guy, yeah. Right? <laughs> love the guy. Yeah. And, and look at this. I mean, you're coming on here. You're marketing yourself a little bit. He's an up-and-comer, folks. So if you're yeah. out there, you have a high-end restaurant, you know, this guy deserves your phone call, and if he calls you, definitely pick it up. So that's Dan Green, our, uh, oh, yeah. our kitchen and chef professional. On is our <laughs> professional guest picker. That's right. And without further ado, Give I think picks. it's time for those picks. I'm ready for them. All right, the moment we've all been waiting for, as you mentioned, Bob, Chris, last week went 3-3. Three and three. Tyler Kern is still atop the leaderboard, 5-1. and one. This week we have Dan Green. Uh, Not scared. <laughs> five and one. Uh, Tyler, Tyler Kern. Kern. Right, he's college. a problem. Wow. <laughs> LaSalle uh, College High School so, color commentator. So. Okay. Not a college football expert, though, so you got this. It was on that either. So <laughs> I think in Bob is seven and five. I am five and seven, so i got to make up some ground here. Uh, but we are ready to go. We're going to start with our guest, Dan. Head-to-head um, -head matchups. All five are going to be head-to-head -head matchups in the six-game. Penn State will be based off the spread, but we'll start with the head-to-heads. Friday night, we have number 20, Washington State at Houston on a Friday night. Give me your winner. I'm going Washington State on this one. I just got a hunch. <laughs> well, what is it? Uh, what's the coach's nickname? The Crazy Pirate or the Pirate or something? Um, Mike Leach. Leach, yeah. yeah, 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 call yeah, like yeah, crazy. yeah. yeah he, he's a good coach. He's nuts, too. So yeah. so is the other guy, Dana Hall. Oh, yeah. It's going to be an interesting game. Should be. Yeah. I... I I see Mike. What's his name? Mike Leach. 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 Yeah, I like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a picture of him the other day. <laughs> good he take. looks like a good egg. <laughs> uh, I like Washington State as well. Now, uh, tough road game there. Houston, pretty good team. Holgerson, new coach. And they showed a lot of fight against Oklahoma. All that said, Mike Leach, perpetually underrated. I think that's another good Wazoo team that's going to challenge up there in the north, and I like them to win this he, one. He's got his team in the top 25 almost every year now when they were never there before. Uh, Houston is a good team. Um, I'd like to pick them in, in hopes of getting back into this race, but I'm confident that Washington State will win this game, even though it's on a Friday night on the road. Uh, I think Washington State wins, and um, and we all pick Wazoo to to win that game, so Wazoo. Um, and their quarterback just went like thirteen for fifteen. There uh, for the Jaguars. Look, yeah. he knows his stuff. Yeah, exactly. Look at this. See, he's not just, doing, he's my research, not just a baby. cook. All right, um, <laughs> brilliant. The next game right. I is um, the the games this week are a little on the weekend. The matchups. Um, so I'll lead into this TCU at Purdue. Yeah, I'm going TCU on this one. I don't ever, ever go against the Horned Frogs. Ever. Never go against the Horned Frogs? Never have, never will. Ever? Never. Not one time. <laughs> I think I like TCU, too. But Purdue is Purdue is tough. Purdue is, like, really is, streaky. Yeah, they Like, are. they're very inconsistent. Um, that game at Penn State has a chance to be tough. 
I like TCU, though. I think the Frogs find a way to win this football game, but I do think this one's close. And this, while it's not the top team in either conference, extremely intriguing amongst middle-of-the-pack teams in each of these respective conferences. I'm cheating a little bit here. I'm looking at the uh, matchup predictor on ESPN. They Uh-oh. actually have yeah, Purdue as 53% chance to win, which I always find kind of interesting because then I look at the line and it's TCU minus three, and they're on the road. I think <laughs> this game's also 7:30 at night. I'm going Boilermakers. Um, Rondale Moore is probably the most explosive player in college football. Whether or not you've heard of him yet is a totally different story. The sophomore. Um, phenomenal player, very similar to KJ Hamler, um, <laughs> probably better than KJ Hamler, but same type of player. I'm going to go the Boilermakers here. Um, night game, uh, season didn't start the way they wanted to against Nevada. I think they get their, their big win here against TCU. Um, they need it. And I think that Ross aid, not the most, uh, crazy environment, but they will be ready to go. I keep thinking last year when they, when they demolished Ohio state at night at, um, at Purdue, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, Purdue there, and our third game we're gonna go USC. Uh, I believe they are checking <laughs> in. They are checking in ranks somewhere, I believe, um, and they are at BYU. Both teams just came off pretty big wins. Yeah. Um, but USC at BYU. Gotta go USC in this one. I agree. Uh, the freshman quarterback BYU's is home. Been... It's home. home game. Yeah, BYU. BYU. Yeah, I don't. I don't USC is ranked twenty four, folks. Three thirty ABC. I really like B. I, I'm sorry. I really like USC. I didn't like him going into last week, but the freshman has been good. No JT Daniels, no problem. And that freshman, true freshman, has come in and played a lot better than JT did last year. Give me USC and a pretty big win. Yeah, I'm gonna. We're gonna clean sweep it here, like we did with Washington State. We're gonna take the Pac-12 again. I'm gonna go USC. Um, Freshmen look good. Don't know his name, uh, but they they look good. They beat they beat a very good Stanford team uh, this past week. So I'm going USC here as well. Um, our next game is a is, great. is a, a nice little rivalry <laughs> game in the middle oh, yeah. of uh, Iowa. We're gonna go we're going Iowa at Iowa State. I'm going Iowa State on this one. Why is that? <laughs> they, they need a big victory. They're I think they're first of all I think they're underrated. They, they barely beat Northern Iowa, just they so did. you know. They did, but maybe not underrated, but I'll say they really need a big victory. It's a rivalry game, obviously. And they, I think they weren't, they weren't ranked in the beginning of the season, right? Or were they, they may have been in the right around 25, and they dropped out after they beat Northern Iowa in like three or four okay. overtimes. Yeah, so Iowa's number 20 right now. 19, by the way. Iowa State had a bye. Oh, that's probably why they, they dropped out then, right? Could be. Yeah, so I think they need this one to uh, to get back, and what better way to beat your in-state rival? I love this football game. This is it, this great... is actually this could be the game of the day. It's a great rivalry. Brock Purdy, the quarterback at Iowa State. I mean, Matt Campbell's a great coach. Kirk Ferentz is a great coach. It is a really. It's probably one of not to steal your thunder right now, but it is probably one of the best low-key rivalries in college no, football. I agree with that. Where's the game? Ames, Ames Iowa. Iowa State Cyclones win one, and I think it's big. I think they win this game big. I think this is a game where you have an unranked team beating that ranked team. 
The line is actually the money shows me that it's going Iowa State's way. I think Iowa State big, big over the Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes are two point favorites right now. It's showing on ESPN. Is that right? I saw well, one that's, and a half. Look, I, I'll pull it back up. Um, I saw one and a half Iowa State's way. And this could but be, I'm gonna this stick could be with a little what delayed, I said, even if that's wrong. But no, I <laughs> I'm gonna be right there with you guys. I'm I'm gonna go Iowa State. I think the game's at home. I think that helps a lot. Uh, they had a scare in their first game against Northern Iowa, but they also had a bye to kind of regroup. Brock Purdy is a very good underrated quarterback. Matt Campbell, uh, you're going to be hearing his name come up a lot for big-time head coaching job openings within the next couple of years. You already have a little bit. Uh, Matt Campbell, great coach, as well as Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, who's been there forever. Um, Iowa State is going to win this game. Uh, you like them big. I, I think it's going to be a closer, low-scoring, like a 20-17 to 17 type of game. Uh, this is Iowa's first true test post um, Hawkinson and Fant, mm -hmm. two elite yep. tight ends. I'm going to go Iowa State here. Um, Sorry, man. We, so can't, <laughs> we, we are clean sweeping the Cyclones great. here. We're really getting along. Yeah, so like far it. so good. Um, and then our, our last game of the – well, our last head-to-head -head game of the day is uh, Arizona State travels to East Lansing, Michigan to take on the Spartans of Michigan State. Hiram Edwards. That's it. Arizona State. Wow. Game over. <laughs> blowout. Wow. Blow wow. I'm calling wow. Oh. Wow, wow, wow. I, like, I do dude, like Arizona State. They got all the momentum in the world, dude. Absolutely. I agree. What, what momentum do they have right now? I'm just wondering. <laughs> I haven't heard anything what, about two them. 12-point victory. What is it? 12-point victory over uh, Sacramento State. There you go. That's <laughs> a lot of momentum. I agree. It's Carter, absolutely going to be a blowout for Sparty. Sparty nice. wins by twenty points. Eat your words. Yeah, I think to. I think Michigan State's going to win this one as two. This one too. Um, better defense. Uh, better offense. Yeah, I mean better coach. <laughs> better co Arizona State's a got a coach. true freshman, uh, <laughs> true freshman quarterback, <laughs> Jaden Daniels. I don't think he'll be ready for that kind of defense <laughs> that he's going to see at Michigan State. But um, I'm going to go Spartans here as well. Um, so that makes. Uh, the su the only Sun Devil pick down there, Dan. So it'll that's gonna be the difference maker. It, it, that is it for our head to head game. It will be one way. Or it will be. <laughs> yeah. Um, although I did take uh, who did I take for that one game that you guys did? Uh, da, 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 Purdue. Yeah, I took. Right. Purdue. Oh, you took so Purdue. We have a couple of di differences. Uh, and then finally, it comes down could come down to the line. Penn State favored by minus seventeen and a half points. Oh, I have to. So, in other words, do you think Penn State's going to win by more than uh, would be eighteen? I guess yeah. you know. So yeah. you think they'll cover? And I do. I think they're going to cover. Give me a score. I'm going to go with. Uh, it's at Pitt. It's at no, home. it's at Penn State. Oh, it's at Penn State. Oh, this, this is going to be terrible. Uh, I'm going to go 35-13 on this one. Okay. That works. Yeah. I. Boy, this is tough. This it is, is a tough. good line. It is. It is. It is. It's a good line. It's a good line. My seventeen heart, doesn't cover too. The so. number tells me Penn State will cover, but I just can't get there. So I think I'm gonna take Pitt. Give me a score. Thirty to thirteen. Thirty to seventeen. Thirty to seventeen. Okay. I'm going to take Penn State to cover as well. I think Penn State's going to hang 42 on them. 
I think at the end of the day, it'll be about a 42, um, 17, 21 in that range. So about three touchdowns and a field goal. Uh, Penn State wins. Penn State covers. Um, the rivalry is over for now. The rivalry so that is where we'll over. leave it. So we have some rivalry. Somebody could, I could make up some ground or Bob could pull away a little bit more this week. We have some interesting picks in. So make sure you follow him. Yes, sir. Dan, thanks for coming, man. This was yeah, great. Absolutely. Do we do handshakes on the air? Sure. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks for wearing the Bob Long Sports penny. You always got a rest singlet. Is that what the winner of this whole thing's getting? The penny? Eh. Maybe. Some of them already have it. Yeah, so I mean, it's I a great. Every, it's, I have every penny you've ever made. It's really <laughs> nice looking. He, he's got a monopoly on the yeah. demand. I got about 16 in my closet right now. That's perfect. If you guys need a free one, just let me know. Black Dang market. Green. Black market. A Bay Kitchen frame and. Surveyor of Black Market Bob Long Sports. That's items. right. He's our guest tonight. Thanks so much for being with us. Tyler, thank you. And for all of us here at Bob Long Sports, I am Bob Long saying so long, and we'll talk to you next time. You've been watching the Nittany Lions Sports Report. Enjoy the football. Pitt versus Penn State, a Saturday noon kickoff at Beaver Stadium. We'll see everybody next week.